Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here. I'm with Mark Homer, the co-founder of Progressive Property. and want to bring you a special update on how to protect yourself when you're joint venturing, if you're lending money, borrowing money, what are the things you need to think about? What are the things that you need to do to protect yourself? So I brought Mark in to get his knowledge on this. He's been in property now for 20 plus years, built up one of the largest private property investment companies in the UK, the largest property education business in the UK. So no better person to talk to about due diligence and keeping yourself safe. So Mark, what do you do? Um, or what would you, if you were somebody starting out in property and you were thinking about getting started by maybe lending funds to somebody, mm-hmm. or even if you were the borrower, what sort of due diligence would you start with? Okay, so the first thing that you would really want to do if you were looking at, I don't know, doing a JV or, or lending some money would be really to get, get to know the person over a period of time. And I'd say that's six months plus. So you need to know that they've got you know, the required experience. Um, try and work out without telling them that you're thinking of investing. Um, sort of try and work out whether you think they're you know, the sort of person that you can trust, is telling the truth, uh, and whether you like them. Uh, I think that's, that's sort of the first thing. So if you had money, you wouldn't yeah. show up and go, I've got money. You'd kind of not let them know initially. You've got money, just test them out. And see Absolutely, what like. test them out, yeah. see what they're actually doing, see what deals they're really doing. And I'll start going through the specifics as to how you can work that out. Okay, so once you're ready uh, to invest and you've obviously told them uh, that's what you're looking to do, you could get them to download their credit file. Um, So that would be at creditexpert.co.uk. Download that, ask them to download that and send it to you. uh, And that will tell you um, what mortgages they've got in their own name. Uh, it'll outline if they've got late payments or CCJs or anything like that. Uh, it'll give you a general picture as to, uh, it'll give you the ability to marry up what they're saying against um, what you know what, what they've actually got. You know, I actually meet people a lot and they say, um, oh, you'll see nothing on company's house about me. It's all in yeah. my personal name. Oh, yeah. So basically what you're saying is, well, show me then. Yeah. Give me your credit file. Let's show see your me credit file. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they shouldn't have a problem with that. If they, well, they say, oh, there's private stuff on there, you just say, okay, you can redact it, you know, if there's account numbers and things like that. Um, but um, if they don't want to show you, then um, maybe they're not the right person to invest with. You need to be asking specific questions about their development and their portfolio. Um, so some may be concerned about revealing their investors' details, um, but you could, again, redact these. So any sort of waffly answers that lack specifics, usually indicate that they don't have much experience or haven't got or haven't done what they say they have. Um, Land registry uh, is a good place to have a look. Um, It'd be reasonable to ask them for the last five addresses for transactions they've done. You can go on land registry, download the uh, title register and you can see who owns it, whether it's in their name or a company name. Um, if, if you are doing that on land registry, by the way, it should be three pounds. There's some. There's a site called landregistry.co.uk. It'll charge you about seventy-seven quid, and then they just buy it for three quid and sell it to you. So never spend more than three quid downloading a title deed from gov.uk. Yes, it's always a gov.uk website. Um, so the correct website there is eservices.landregistry.gov.uk. Uh, put the address details in and download the title register to work out who owns the property. 
Uh, if it's a property that they bought and sold, you can apply for a historical copy of the register to check um, if they owned it at a given point in the past. Um, so if it's a limited company, you can go on to companieshouse.gov.uk, type in the company name to check the directors and shareholders, have a look on there at the incorporation uh, to see who the shareholders are and also the annual return. Um, that can show you who the shareholders are as well. Just on that one, I had somebody yeah. approach me recently who was, they said that somebody asked them if they could lend them 150 grand yeah. and for a limited company. So they, uh, they did go online. Yeah. This company had three limited companies. Yeah. But you need to do a little bit de deeper. Look at see when it was incorporated is yeah. key here because one of them was incorporated on February 23. Yeah. Another was February 23. Yeah. And the third one was December 22. Right. So they set up three brand new companies. There's no money in any of them. Yeah. And they want to borrow 150 yeah. grand to go into that company. Yeah. I, I, I see that every now and again. Um, you know, people trying to get... Um, you know, borrowing or, or you know into a limited company with no security, so no personal guarantee, no charge. Um, it's nuts. Um, why would you do it? I just think that's a, an immediate no. Um, so, company's house information. Um, you know, accounts which are filed at company's house um, w w can often be around eighteen months uh, out of date. So really it's just a, a snapshot, but you can get an idea of what the balance sheet is, what the net worth is of the company that you're looking to lend to. But again, I wouldn't lend to a company without a charge. And, and I'm going to talk to you about charges in a minute. For me, it would be a first charge up to 70% loan to value and I want a personal guarantee as well. Uh, second charge is, yes, they offer more security over not having one, uh, but you're not in control. You've probably not got a lot of equity uh, when it starts going wrong. Uh, we'll talk about that more shortly. Um, so, uh, Judil is another website which is quite good for checking uh, a string, you know, of companies that might be associated with an individual. You might be able to see their liquidated companies or creditors within those companies that are showing as having lost monies. Um, so, you know, that will all be on Judil. Uh, it should be on Companies House, but Judil's easier to sort of pull it all together. It's better at that. Um, so. It is different when people sort of just dissolve companies when they shut them down because they're not using them. Yeah. You know, that happens, you know, entrepreneurs do that all the time. But well, that would be more listed as voluntary strike-off, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, or dissolved yeah, or... Compulsory strike-off, is that slightly... Compulsory strike-off usually is where you haven't filed, the accounts haven't been filed mm. or some documents haven't been filed. But the key thing is if you look in those and there's a, a liquidation, that's usually more, more of interest. But there should be a document there from the liquidator which shows um, if creditors have lost money. And if creditors have lost money, then I think that's a, a different case rather than just dissolving a company because you're not using it anymore. Um, so I would go through all of those companies which are associated with the individual you're thinking about lending to uh, to see what they've done in the past. Yeah. Um, okay, so you could also ask the individual to apply for basic disclosure, which is a, a check of unspent criminal convictions. You can do that at mygov.scot slash basic hyphen disclosure forward slash apply hyphen for hyphen basic hyphen disclosure. Now, what yeah. we might do, because that is a tongue <laughs> twister, yeah. is put these links in the description, put these links attached. So if you are watching this... I think it's a good idea. Write them down, but don't panic. 
look underneath the video, look somewhere, and we'll have the links attached yeah. for you. So that will show you um, a list of any unspent criminal convictions. Um, the only thing is with that, often, you know, they become spent quite quickly, mm. uh, could be within a year, uh, and then they won't show up. So that's a sort of, uh, if, you, if you've got a suspicion that, you know, they've just been convicted of something, then go on there. Uh, but if it's historical, it's probably not going to show up anyway. Um, I think the next thing is, you know, if you've decided you are going to invest, and I recommend you don't unless you've got a, a first charge um, and a personal guarantee, and, and, and I'd say the, the amount you're lending doesn't need to be any more than 70% of the value of the site or the property that a surveyor, your surveyor, not one that they found, the surveyor that you've instructed says it's worth, um, then you know I would control the money and I would drip feed it in straight to the solicitor as they purchase the property or you know purchase the piece of land. Uh, only send the money direct to the solicitor for uh, completion if it's a development deal. Drip feed it in on a monthly basis as and when the the builder needs the cash and yep. you know the project manager or the QS is issuing valuations. Um, so you know I think that's quite important. Um, transactions which are done personally. Um, in a non-limited liability partnership um, or a, a trust structure won't usually uh, show on company's house. So information about these entities are not usually publicly uh, available. So you could ask for documentation to corroborate deals such as that. Um, so in that scenario, by the way, yeah. so let's say I said to you, I'm looking to borrow some money off you. Everything yeah. I've done is personal. Yeah. You'd like to see, I guess, a uh, copy of a loan agreement on a previous loan I've had. Five. Uh, bank five yeah. of them. Yeah. A bank statement showing the money coming to me yeah. and a bank statement showing the money going back yeah. to the person I borrowed it off. Yeah. Um, and I'd want to have the five addresses and I'd go onto LAM registry. Make sure they were mine. Yeah. And, and if he says, oh, I've sold them, you say, okay, fine. When did you sell them? And then you can apply for a historical copy of the title register to work out who owned it at that point in time. Um, so that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, also, you know, if they've dealt with lots of investors in the past, you could ask for three investors' details that the yeah. j potential JV partner has done deals with. So you can talk to them to get their experience of how the JV went uh, and cross-reference cross the names of these with the names you see at Lamb Registry. Yeah, and um, also make sure those three names don't have similar surnames like cousins, brothers, uh, family members. Make sure they're actual other people. Yeah, um, you can use 192.com to work out where this individual lives because that goes into the um, electoral roll. Um, so if you put their name in in the, the city that they say they live, corroborate that with their home address. Um, and yes, I would, I'd probably go around and have a look at these properties that you know they say they've bought or whatever and just see if that the properties that have been, um, you know, that this person's telling you about or land that they're telling you about, you know, actually looks like what it is they're, they're saying. Look through the windows, see, see if what you're being told matches up. Check with a local estate agent or, or even better, a surveyor. Get, get them to value the, the properties that they're asking you to invest in to, to see if the values are correct. And then go to three letting agents, have a look at the rents. I get stuff across my desk almost weekly where the rents and the values are nothing like reality. Um, I had one for Peterborough last week. Uh, it's one of the reasons I tend to invest around here because I haven't got to spend hours at it. I can just look at it and go, well, that's not right, that's not right, not interested. Uh, it saves me a, a lot of time. Um, 
So, yeah, what else? Uh, other information you could request off them are, is their tax return, which is their SA302, um, and their tax overview. Um, if they um, are saying that all their properties are owned personally, uh, it will show on their tax return, which is a, a separate document. Um, so, you know, if you ask for those three, um, uh, yeah. you're going to work out how many properties they own in their own name because there is a number on the tax return. It, it says how many properties, you know, there's a whole section and there's, there's a section there saying yeah. how many properties do you own and, you know, are, are you reporting on? No, now, somebody watching this might be thinking, well, oh my God, do I really have to ask for all this information? Well, they, they, they want, might not want to give it to me. Well, if they don't want to give it to you, that's probably a red flag. It's up to you, yeah. If they're going <laughs> to borrow money off a bank, yeah. the bank's going to ask for this. The bank's going to ask for the whole yeah. lot. Um, and, you know, would I, I don't know, you know, if you've got a hundred grand and you're not particularly bothered about losing it, um, then just crack on and don't ask for it. Uh, if it's really going to hurt you, uh, it'd really wind me up losing a hundred grand, then ask for it. And if they won't yeah. give it to you, then just move on. Um, if they want the money, then... Yeah, it's up to them. They're going to have to do it with the bank anyway. Um, you know, and remember, they could go to a bank, and if they can't go to a bank, why? Um, it might be for a whole number of reasons and legitimate reasons, but you know, if some of those reasons are what they're saying is not correct, or their credit files really, really bad, or they've sent lots of companies bust with loads of creditors, and the bank doesn't want to deal with them, then why do you want to deal with them? Um, so yeah, for for myself, I think I would only lend on a first charge basis. That's not a second charge. That's a first charge. And I would only lend up to 70% loan to value and I would insist on a personal guarantee if you're lending to a limited company. Um, you need your own sur survey done by a RIC surveyor that you have found, not that they have found. Um, and the RIC surveyor needs to be local and have experience valuing that type of property. You can find a RIC surveyor at www.ricsfirms.com. That's R-I-C-S firms.com. Uh, and if they say the property is worth 200,000, you know, you're going to lend a, a maximum of 70, 70%, which would be 140,000 um, on that property. And then, you know, the, the investor needs to go elsewhere for the rest of the money. You could lend on a property which is not part of the deal, as long as you're getting first charge, because the investor may say to you, well, I can't then borrow from a bank if you've got first charge. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you could lend your money on another one of their properties. So for anybody yeah. watching this and yeah. they're brand new to property and they're yeah. thinking, what's a first charge mark? What's yeah. a second charge mark? So if, if um, this person stops paying um, the bank and there is a first charge, the bank can then, the bank will usually then put them on a default rate of interest, you know, put loads of charges through, everything like that. And then by the end of, say, a year, it takes to repossess them. What a loan that was 70,000 on a 100,000 pound house might then have turned into a loan of 90,000. Um, and the first charge lender can repossess the property, take it, sell it. 90,000, you know, after all the fees, the selling fees, the default interest, everything like that goes to the first charge lender. And then anything left over would go to any second charge lenders. Um, but often what you find is in that scenario, because of all the fees on top, um, the left. second charge lenders yeah. don't get anything. So That's often a, what happens. So if you've yeah. got a, a hundred grand house with yeah. no debt, yeah. the first charge lender lends you 70 yeah. and there's 30 grand of equity. Mm -hmm. So the second charge lender could lend you 20 yeah. and then there's 10 grand equity yeah. and then the third charge lender could lend you the 10. 
if, uh, if there was three, because yes, it could be a third. Yeah, well, so, yeah, it's, it's another second charge. Yeah, yeah another yeah, second, yes, yeah. but three different lenders. Yeah. So the only person that can actually force a repossession is the first charge lender, in a way. I, I, I think the second charge um, probably can, but I suspect the first charge got to have conduct of yeah. the repossession They'd have to process. agree and... The, there's a whole process to go yeah. through, yeah. But what you're yeah. saying is, the, because the first charge lender is owed 70 grand, yeah. by the time they put their legal fees yeah. in, the interest, etc., that loan turns into 90, yeah. and the second charge holder who thinks they're okay yeah. suddenly has got no money left to Nothing come back. Left. Yeah. And that house, when it's forced to be sold for the 100 grand house, yeah. might actually be sold for 80. Yeah. So it could be sold for less, and then you've just had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that's quite common. You know, yeah. that's a lot more common than, you know, people would imagine. There are mezzanine funders out there who specialize in second charge lending, um, but they're probably going to charge you 20% plus. Um, and they want a personal guarantee and everything else. So, you know, always get a personal guarantee if you're lending on this sort of thing. And the personal um, guarantee, I guess, means that if you've, if you've lent to a limited company yeah. and that company doesn't pay you back yeah. and there's no money left in the yeah. deal, then you can go after the person's family home, assets, whatever they may have. Potentially, but it takes quite a long time and there are a lot of hoops to jump through. So it's another point of leverage to get that person to pay you back. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean you're suddenly going to get the money anytime it soon. It might be worth nothing. And it might, exactly, and it might not even work. So, you know, having a first charge of a property is quite different because you can force a sale, bring an LPA receiver in, you know, and, and, and get it done quicker and more efficiently. I've spoken yeah. to people in the past, Mark, and yeah. they've said, like, well, I've got a personal guarantee only. Yeah. Um, and I call them toilet paper in a way because I've got a personal guarantee only. Yeah. Um, f I've lent them 50 grand, but the personal guarantee is fine because yeah. the person showed me they've got 50 yes. grand. Yeah. Well, if they've got 50 grand, why do they need your 50 grand? Yeah. And maybe they needed your 50 because they were spending 100, which means they don't have their, their 50 anymore to pay you back because they needed your 50 plus their 50. Or maybe they borrowed 50 off you plus 25 other people and they only had 50. And they're all on personal guarantees and then nobody gets it back. Exactly. I mean, this, this notion of um, you know, providing an asset um, and liability, uh, sort of a net worth statement to support a personal guarantee. Yes, I mean, take it, you know, it's, it's always good to have it, but, you know, relying on it and assuming that it's correct is not a good idea because, as Kevin says, um, you know, it, it, it may have been right at the point that they sent it to you, but afterwards they could take a load of loans out. So actually they've got no equity. They can get into more and more trouble over the sort of two or three years that you've done your loan. Um, and they may not even be telling the truth. There's no way of ascertaining. You, in fact, I'm not even sure how you would ascertain whether that net worth statement is correct. Um, lots of people just lie on it. So, you know, I wouldn't, um, and lots of people forget about what other personal guarantees they've given. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't rely on it. Um, I'd take it and it's, you know, it builds a picture, um, but you can't assume that it's necessarily correct. And the other thing with the, the first charge is, you can take a first charge loan out, say the 70,000, and obviously if they get into trouble, you know, the first charge can quite easily go from 70 to 90, but there's another way in, in which it can turn into 90,000, and that's just called a further advance. Um, you know, a person can have a mortgage on a property, um, you can take a second charge on, on that property, and the, the individual with the first charge could just go to their lender uh, and say, I want to have a further advance, and the lender, if they're happy, 
first charge lender will just send them the money. There's no solicitor involved, there's no new charge, there's no new restriction. And that still comes before the second charge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's no, um, you, you wouldn't even know about mm. it as a second charge holder. Um, unless the first charge lender decided, you know, to, to looked at land registry and decided to, to go through a process. But, you know, I've seen many instances where they don't and the loan to value suddenly goes from 70 to 90% without you even knowing. So this is why getting a first charge is so different to getting a second charge. Um, and, you know, I've, I know a couple of bridging lenders uh, and I also know a couple that used to do second charge loans and both of them don't anymore. Um, so it's often it's quite common when they come into the market they do uh, and then when they lose all the money on one uh, they don't do it anymore um, so yes solicitor very important you find a solicitor instructed by you that you have found not that's been found by the other investor check the loan agreement which is being used on the deal they need to check that the charge has been put onto the property properly they need to do all that not a solicitor instructed by you or by the company. Um, sorry, not by a solicitor in instructed by the borrower or by the company. It needs to be a solicitor instructed by you um, and one that you've found that you've got the relationship with. Um, and um, yeah, you need to, to, to make sure if this is a property which you're going to have a share in rather than a loan, you need to be a sh shareholder and director of the company or a partner, uh, a partner in the, the partnership. Uh, make sure the partnership or the shareholders agreement has been checked and negotiated by your solicitor. You need the solicitor to carefully check who has actually got control over that company or that partnership. There are lots of layers, you know, the percentage shareholding you have, different classes of shares. There are lots of clauses in the shareholders or a partnership agreement which can shift control to another party within that company or, or, or you know, partnership. So it's quite important you understand who's got the control, should, you know, preferably be you. Um, if somebody you're lending to is um, developing buildings, they need to obtain the planning consent. So I would ask for a copy of the planning consent as well as historical planning con uh, consents and check that their consultant's name on the application, um, you know, is who they said it was and they're actually involved with it and sort of what date these go back to, to make sure they're actually acting as a principal on the deal and not just sort of selling you something and, and you know, shifting off. Good search on Amazon. Just see, you know, what this individual has, has, has done before in terms of books, um, you know, or um, other publications. Look at the reviews. Um, do a search on Google, on LinkedIn and Facebook. How much reach and coverage they have. Um, work out, you know, if there's any sort of bad stories or, or things that may have happened in the past. Do the profiles look new or, you know, is there a sort of long tail of history and reach? When were they founded? Is there a long history of images, social media uh, and forums? How much reach and coverage do they have? Do the profiles look new? Can you find a long tail history reach? On, on that, just yeah. because somebody is on social media, right, and they could be very active on social media, yeah. they could be a great talker but not a great doer, yeah. um, just because they're on social media and they've got a great profile, and they they're building a brand, etc. Um, I have, but that doesn't mean that if you've seen me on social media and you've seen me doing a video in front of a house or a few houses, or you've seen me um, on a stage, or I spoke at a local networking event, just because I was on social media, just because I was walking around a house, just because I was on a stage, doesn't mean you shouldn't do all of these same checks on me. 
You should still be looking for the first charge. You should still be getting the first personal guarantee. You should still be using your own solicitor. You should still be getting your own RIC survey. You should still be doing all that stuff. Just because you say you, somebody looks like they're doing something doesn't mean you should be any less due diligence in your due diligence. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, I think you should do the same due diligence on anybody. No matter who it is. Exactly. Yeah. It just helps you build a picture. You know, have they got a website? Do, does it look like an empty shop or is it information rich? Um, you know, personal email addresses. Are the testimonials real? You know, and can you speak to them? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> you just on that stuff as well, you bet about the website, is it real? It's yeah. very easy to go and build a glossy website or a glossy brochure that looks amazing, but do the numbers on the deal look amazing? Do you know your numbers? Is it your own due diligence on the numbers? When you, when you are looking to invest into a deal or even buy a deal off a sourcer, don't listen to the figures they've given you look and do your own due diligence. You're not buying due diligence, you're not investing in due diligence, you're investing in something that you need to do your own due diligence on. Yeah, and uh, I think also, you know, sort of community reputation is quite important. So um, I would find others who have genuinely done lots of deals and got a good reputation. I will talk to them about this other individual uh, and the type of deal that you're looking to do. It's really important not to take advice from people who are just starting out or haven't got the experience uh, because what they're telling you is, is probably not going to be that useful for you. Um, that's a common issue. Yeah. Um, <coughs> on all of that, a lot of people now will be watching this going, oh my God, I'm starting out in property. I'll never be able to raise money. I'll never be able to borrow money. Well, banks lend money to total strangers. They do. Both with security. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is it's not saying you can't borrow money, etc. But you're saying you've got to do it in a safe way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it takes a long time to earn money, capital. Uh, it's accumulated over many years. And um, just because you're getting a high interest rate, 20, 25% or whatever, which looks attractive, yeah. um, if you lose 100% of that money, um, you've got a long time, a lot of work to, yeah. to, 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 to recoup it all. So it's just not worth it, you know. Um, take a lower interest rate on something that's properly secured. Yeah. Mm. And it, if you're starting out in property day one, the f anyone who's ever borrowed money, and a lot of people borrow money, everybody yeah. had to do it for the first time. Yeah. But make sure when you're, the le when you're looking to borrow mm. money, make sure you're giving enough and giving a security, etc., to the person you're looking to borrow the money off. Because you can almost see from some people at the start of the journey that they're thinking about themselves and what they can get rather than how they can get their investor a return. Yeah. So I guess the focus should be on, at the beginning of your journey, how do I get my investor a good return and almost give the investor more than you so that you get the opportunity to build up your experience, build up your credibility, so then you've, you can get better returns later? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that's a good way to look at it, yeah. Okay. Um, I had some other questions for you, just in general stuff as well. So you went through credit checks, we went through um, the interest rate about... Yeah. I see a lot where somebody says, um, I've got a deal, um, I, am, I need short-term money, yeah. and the interest rate is, I'll give you 20% on your money. Yeah. Right. If, and it's for three months. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, would you say it's probably too good to be true? Or? Well, uh, I mean, I, clearly that attracts lots of people. Um, it 
it, it doesn't attract me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would look at that and sort of think, okay, fine, you know, I can earn a really good rate, but it's only good if I can satisfy all the stuff that I've just mentioned. So, yeah, uh, yeah of course you're going to get the highest rate you can do, uh, but it doesn't make me any more interested because it's, you know, 10% instead of 20%. Um, it's because you're not going to get it anyway exactly, if, yeah. if, if, if the risk is yeah. too high. So I guess when... I guess the message in this is, if you've been offered 20%, it's only actually 20% profit if you get it back. It's actually 100% yeah. loss if you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about the person who says, you know, I'm willing to give you a first charge, etc. Um, I'm going to give you a personal guarantee. Yeah. And you start the process and then they ring you up and go, oh, the solicitors are slow. We're yeah. running out of time. Yeah. Um, could we get the money before the paperwork? The, the answer is no. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I just had that off early doors. Yeah. Uh, that's a common thing that happens because then often uh, I've seen it. <clears throat> Because of course I see the ones that go wrong. Yeah. Because they come to my office, often not, but you know, it, it does tend to end up on my desk. Um, you know, and they'll they'll say, oh yeah, I, I carried on, you know, because the deal needed doing. Yeah. We didn't get the paperwork signed, and then afterwards um, they just didn't get on and sign the paperwork and didn't really want to do it. The the, mm. the borrower. Um, so would a bank do it? No. So neither should you. Awesome. So. Hope you found this helpful. If you want to know more about how to build a property business, how you could build a property business safely, and how to protect yourself in joint venturing, borrowing money, and if you're starting out in property and you've heard all of this, you're thinking, how can I get going then? Then there's lots of ways. There's multiple ways you can get started in property. There's multiple ways you can do property investing. Here at Progressive, we actually run a fl the UK's flagship three-day property investment event called Multiple Streams of Property Income. If you would like to come to a Multiple Streams of Property Income as our guest, then you can by going to the following link, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, so B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash M-S-O-P-I, 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 2023. So bit.ly forward slash MSOPI 2023. We'll also put a link in the description, but come join us at a Multiple Streams of Property Income. Get yourself safe, get yourself secure, and get yourself moving on your property journey. Just want to say thanks to Mark for coming in and sharing some absolute wisdom on how to keep yourself safe. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing hearing this, you have to make sure you follow this advice, because if you don't you could end up getting involved in the wrong joint venture partnership. You could involve putting money into something that seems like a great return, but never comes back. So you've heard what to do here. Make sure you take the advice on. It is very important, right, that you follow the advice of people who've walked the road before you to keep you safe. They say geniuses, right? Right. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Geniuses learn from the mistakes of those that have walked the road before them. So get yourself to multiple streams of property income. Learn how to do this safely and follow the advice that Mark shared today. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, Mark. Thanks for coming in. Cheers, Kevin.